Welcome to We Lead Radio. Your hosts are June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer. This show is a conversation that will focus on reimagining leadership to meet the reality of 21st century business and life in organizations. The conversation is inspired by timeless, natural wisdom for how to lead through uncertainty. Now, here are the hosts of We Lead Radio. Welcome, I'm Morgan Reidenauer, and this is We Lead Radio. As always, I'm back with my amazing co-host, June Gunter. Hello. Beth Hijack. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, everyone. And Christine Erickson. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about women's leadership. And to start us off, we're going to be talking a little bit about nature's perspective on female leadership and what female leadership looks like in nature. Co-hosts, does anyone want to get us started with some examples, some things you've seen, female leadership in nature? You know, I'll get us started. I knew uh, you would. I think you got to go for the good stuff right off. As yes. an <laughs> avid nature enthusiast and obsessed with documentaries, I have a lot of examples. So one of the ones I think is really fascinating are spotted hyenas, right? So spotted hyenas are actually run uh, by a matriarchal system, and the females hold most of the power. But there are a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> you guys excited to talk about <laughs> Go hyenas, go. <laughs> they're, they're one of the, I would say it's less common for an animal species to be so strictly run by one gender or another. Usually there's a lot more balance, but hyenas starting us off strong with females <laughs> taking the lead. Another really interesting animal I wanted to mention are orcas. So have you guys heard about orcas? I no. have not. I can't oh, wait to hear. So the fascinating thing about orcas is we found out that orca pods, you guys know orcas, killer whales, are typically run by a female. But not only are they run by a female, they're run by a postmenopausal female. Oh my. That's right. So bless your heart. <laughs> orcas, killer whales, their leader is a postmenopausal female, pretty much exclusively. That I did not know. Yeah, oldest, wisest females. They're back. Fascinating. (laughs) Absolutely. What about you guys? Do you guys have any examples? I could keep going. Naked mole rats, honeybees, (laughs) elephants. You can't just throw that stuff out and then be like, oh, back to you and the horses or whatever. (laughs) That's awesome, but like you said, naked. Horses are also awesome. June, do you have some examples of, of horse female leadership that you've seen? You know, the thing I have always appreciated about what I will call mare wisdom is, I mean, I'm just going to start with the story of when we were living in Oregon, and at that point, we had two separate herds. We had a herd of wild horses, and we had a herd of domesticated horses, and we hadn't figured out how to integrate them yet, and so there was a fence between them, and there was a horse who was sort of a bridge between the two herds, and he, his name was Galen because the, the wild horses had embraced him. He was new. And the uh, domesticated horses that we have, Yanni and Harley and Rocky, were not so sure about Galen yet. And uh, Yanni had just given birth to Grace. And so Harley was really protective. And Harley is, is Yanni's guy, and 
his main concern was always her. And so anytime Galen would get near Yanni, Harley would go into battle mode. And what I found so interesting is that eventually the mares in each herd would prevent the battles. So Yanni would escort Harley away from the fence and Dream and Hope would escort Galen away from the fence. Hmm. And essentially the mares were saying, boys, there'll be no fighting. There's no need for a fight. Peace. Peace, not war. Yeah. And it was magnificent to watch. And I've also seen that same dynamic play out with the wild horses at Return to Freedom where these two younger horses were negotiating, sparring, and the older, wiser mares would intervene and say, enough is enough. And that's not how we do things around here. And yes, you can play, but when it turns to something that's harmful, we'll intervene and we'll stop it and we will restore order. Mm. And I've always appreciated the wisdom and the subtlety that they bring to finding ways to restore harmony. Absolutely. You know, what I really love about nature is that there is not really an always. So we have examples of female peacekeepers. We ha also have examples of female disruptors. So I remember in, in that same herd at Return to Freedom, watching uh, a female, a mare, who kind of took on more of a stallion role and had her other, her mare that she was kind of paired with. And a stallion came in to this bigger herd. Oh, yes, I remember seeing Yes, that. this mare stepped up and said, you are, you are not coming over here. You are not interfering. <laughs> you are not going to disrupt what I have going on here. And you need to excuse yourself from my space. So I think we absolutely have both ends of the spectrum here. We have that peacekeeper that this is not the time. And we also have mares and, and females of all species stepping up and saying, absolutely not. You know, and Morgan, you and I are actually agreeing because they were both playing a peacekeeping role. And in both scenarios, they were quite forceful about it. Like, <laughs> no, you're not doing that. Yes. So it, it doesn't mean that they're soft. Right. They have tremendous conviction. Yes. In either boundary setting or invitations. Have you, have you noticed any other examples, co-hosts of horses? What about in other horses you work with? While you guys are thinking about that, I know from my herd, we have two mares, one who struggles with leadership and one who kind of falls just into her role so neatly and easily, a little mare named Maisie, a little miniature horse. And one of the things that she does so well is paying attention. And I think a lot of times we see sentinels, uh, females playing the sentinel role, and they're so good yes. at that attention, at noticing mm. what is happening and what is different in the environment, and then alerting the rest of the herd. So for me, that's Maisie. Our mare is ace at that. Yeah, she is. And I, like I think... Oh, go ahead, Christine. Go ahead. I, I think she's also the picture of commitment to her role, man. She is yeah. 
on it. Yeah. And she, you don't have to, I mean, I think that's a brilliant point, which is you don't have to be a lead mayor to be a leader. Mm-hmm. And she plays her role so, so in such a committed way. Absolutely. And it's a vital role to yeah. her. You know, um, as I was thinking about this first segment and um, I was thinking about our horses, I uh, stumbled upon this quote by um, Marion Wright Edelman, and she's the president of the Children's Defense Fund. And she said, you can't be what you can't see. And she was talking about, you know, women leaders being, seeing women leaders. And I thought, taking it back to the horses, it's like, and all these, everything that has been described, there are ways for in those hyenas or in the herd of horses or in the orcas for other females of that species to see leadership represented. And I think that's the piece missing in our corporate organizations, our schools, is that uh, that piece. And the other thing that fascinated me when I thought about our horses is like, you know what? The lead mare might start out front, but she's going to go to where she needs to go. And the, and the lead stallion might end up, start out in the back of the herd, and he's going to go where he needs to go. There are strengths in all areas of leadership of the herd. And they don't get hung up on... Uh, this is where I'm supposed to be because of my gender, or you can't be here because of your gender. Right. Or, or you're going to do it not as well because of your gender. I mean, I think that's really, to me, the lesson in nature is that nature uses all of her resources, not just half of them. Right. I, yeah, I think um, to what Beth is saying as well, you know, having those models, you know, of female leadership and where we don't have those right now, particularly in the United States and that conversation. I think the distinction where, where real disruption happens is that we're still striving for equality um, between the sexes. And so that idea of equity or equitable leadership, which is so present in nature. It's not, well, you get to do this. Why don't I get to do that? Mm -hmm. It's about using the best strengths and that distribution of, of skill and leadership that is needed, you know, apropos, as opposed to this constant battle for things. Mm -hmm. um, and, and seeing that as equal, seeing those roles as, as equal Absolutely. and as valuable. I think that's that's a really hard one to get around when we're dealing with different personalities, leadership styles, collaboration styles, all the things that we come to the table with and breaking through looking for equality to equitable leadership, I think mm -hmm. is a really big piece of this. There is no glass ceiling in nature. Mm. And, the, and it would be stupid to not use your resources animals get that yeah that's mm -hmm. yeah i mean what we're missing out <laughs> on not just visibly as you were saying beth but actualizing what are we missing right and what's available right yeah yeah absolutely 
Well, this is a great start to our conversation. I'm glad I got to spew out a few animal facts. Thanks for letting me do that. We know where to go now for animal facts. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be introducing you to our guests and deepening this conversation about women's leadership, female leadership, and what that looks like in our human species. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I am so I am so excited to be in conversation today with our guest. This is uh, a topic that I am extremely passionate about, and so is our guest, Ms. Leslie Box-Smith. Leslie is the Portfolio Director uh, Programs for Individuals at UNC Keenan Flagler Executive Development. And... Uh, in her role, she oversees the open programs portfolio on a range of relevant business and leadership topics. She's been doing this for a while, 15 years experience in leadership development arena. She's accomplished training and in training and organizational development as a facilitator, consultant, manager. And I think she's just a fabulous individual myself. And I have to say, the first time I met Leslie, uh, was when she came down to visit June and I at our farm with the, the president of UNC Executive Development, uh, Margaret Cording. She had just taken that position and both of them had come down very eager to learn what we were doing with horses and leadership 
And I just remember, Leslie, the enthusiasm uh, to be learning something new in a different way that you exhibited and also how you spoke about what it was like to have Margaret as a mentor and a leader. And so I want to welcome you to the show. And uh, I'd like to start with a question about your experiences with the horses. So welcome, Leslie. Thank you. It's great to be with you all this morning. Uh, uh, we are so glad to have you here. And do you remember that first oh, time yeah, down I the remember farm? It. Um, and I still think about my visit to teaching horse pretty much every day. Um, wow. That's not an exaggeration. It was pretty impactful. What, what did you, what, what, what's the big takeaway for you from that experience? I think, um, you know, one of the big takeaways for me was the fact that when you're with the horses, there's no denying the realizations that um, you're experiencing in that moment. So um, whether it's that I wasn't um, focused enough in, on, on where I wanted to take Yanni. Yanni was the mm-hmm. horse I was working with that day. Um, or that I was coming on too strong as I was introducing myself to, I think it was Hope, um, right. and that my presence would um, have such an impact on um, those horses and how they responded to me. Yeah. There's just such deep learning in those moments that um, I think it's hard for it to not be a constant reminder in future interactions when you get back to the office or to your home or, or to wherever your, your primary life is. Um, it, it's, it's just really powerful. It, it is deeply profound, and it happens in, what, seconds? Yeah. Yeah, and lasts a long, long time. It's, it is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, Leslie, I want to start with, before I go into a question, uh, as we were pulling in and setting up, I had looked at Front Street this morning and learned that uh, we are losing another CEO, a female CEO. Yep. And uh, it's a little disheartening. And so uh, we ha- it has dropped from 26 to 24, now to 23. And I guess it's a great segue into... Why is it important to talk about women in leadership? Yeah. Um, well, it is important to talk about women in leadership. And, um, you know, we're, we're right at over, just over 6%, maybe now a little bit lower, of, um, of chief executives of Fortune 500 companies who are women. And you're absolutely right, Beth. I saw the same headline this morning that Indra Nui had stepped down um, as the chief executive of PepsiCo, and um, that drops our, our ranks, the, the women's ranks of chief executives um, of big companies. And I think that the numbers alone are quite staggering and um, sobering when we think yeah. about women in leadership. And I think at the same time, the numbers don't tell the whole story. Um, right. So the numbers alone tell us there are not enough women in leadership, um, and we we need to be we need to equip women to to take on those leadership positions. The story behind the numbers 
um, mm-hmm. further illustrate that there are a number of reasons, I think, that, you know, women aren't ascending to those highest levels of leadership. And they range from everything that, everything from there are structural disadvantages to being in, a, in, a, in an executive position for women, um, to the fact that women bear children and, and are responsible for all of the, all of the you know, family uh, responsibilities that go along with that. And where does that fit into a woman's ability to move up the leadership ladder and descend to the highest positions? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we have to keep talking about because we can't, we can't put women in those highest levels of leadership without talking about their ability to network and their ability to be in front of um, the, the senior leaders of an organization, um, talk about the importance of social capital, um, and, you know, certainly family responsibilities, if that's a choice that, that women make. And so there are a lot of variables at work um, that sort of lead to that, that number um, that we see where women aren't, aren't as numerous as we'd like for them to be. Right. And, um, you know, the thing that I noticed is I was looking through that list of who's on the Fortune 500. Um, they're big organizations, and it's uh, everything from energy to uh, what else is there? Energy, Lockheed Martin, uh, General Dynamics. I mean, just all over the place. So it's not that women are limited by, by a business or what the business does. Um, in, in fact, I, I was surprised to see Lockheed Martin. Uh, and I'm curious how, what you see, I'm trying to think of how to best phrase this question, um, how women can come together to help each other go and grow through yeah. the corporate world? I think some, um, I, I think it's important for organizations to recognize that there needs to be sort of a solidarity um, and for organizations to embrace women's growth um, in leadership. Some organizations, I think, are already doing that by um, allowing women to come together and uh, sort of have women in, women's interest groups or women's networking groups within an organization. Um, you know, I, I think that that's one thing um, organizations can do to help women um, find the peer support that they might need to um, move through leadership. I think it's also about tackling some of the specific challenges that women face as they mm-hmm. um, move up the leadership ladder. Um, the there was a survey um, uh, last year. It, it's a it's an annual survey. It's the Women in the Workplace um, by Mac- Women in the Workplace Study by McKinsey and Lean In. And in 2017, the results for 2018 aren't out yet, but showed that women are un- underrepresented at every level in corporate America. And right. so, you know, despite the fact that a lot of organizations say that they're prioritizing gender diversity, women are still promoted less frequently. They make less money they face more challenges at work compared to their male counterparts. And some of that is because um, women tend to get less access to 
the people and opportunities that advance careers. The women tend to have less visibility among senior leadership. Um, mm-hmm. They say that they, they, they self-report that they get fewer interactions with senior leadership than their male counterparts. Um, they receive less feedback, even though they're asking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes women self-select, and they say that they don't want the, the pressure of high-powered, high-visibility jobs. Um, and, and women, both with and without children, are, are saying that. And so right. I think that having some support for women within an organization, whether it's um, a, whim, a group of women, um, peer support, um, or putting into place an awareness first that women need, need different tools than mm-hmm. men do to accede to levels of leadership um, and providing some support for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a couple of ways to tackle it, but I think those are, are some of them. You know, as I was looking through information just around this topic this weekend, the thing that kept resonating with me was... Um, that there was this one thing about women finding their voice. That was one. And the second one was um, that a lot of women will uh, not bring, them, bring their full selves to their, to their roles. And by that, I mean they will assimilate to the standard norm of how an organization is run. And... So they'll take on the vernacular, and and I think that from what I read, they, that feels very limiting that they're taking on and not bringing their full selves because it'll be interpreted in a way that um, is either less than less than or bossy or some connotation around being a woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced that, and just curious your thoughts around it? Yeah, it's, I, I, I have experienced it. Um, I, as you were talking, Beth, I was, I was sort of going back a number of years to um, when I worked at a, at a different organization. Um, and there were, a, it was very heavily, skewed very heavily male. This was in the mid to early 2000s. And um, I worked with a number of, of men um, in my position there. And uh, when we would do our regional uh, meetings together, it was all men, so let's say maybe 20 or so men and two women, myself mm-hmm. and, and one other. And mm-hmm. I would find that there was sort of an unspoken pressure, and, and maybe it was all in my head, who knows, but sort of right. an unspoken need to play along with the boys' club, right, in order to mm-hmm. be respected and feel like you belonged. And I felt like getting those sort of relationships right helped me then have influence um, in my role as, as their regional uh, training consultant. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder in retrospect, you know, wouldn't it have been better if just my work could have spoken for itself and I didn't have to go drink beer with the guys and do these other things that, I mean, weren't problematic, but right. why do we feel like we have to do that? Why do we subvert sort of our natural leadership tendency or just our smart right. um, and instead maybe engage in activities that, that are fine and fun and certainly not disrespectful at all, but may not be the ticket that we want to cash in when we're growing professionally. Um, 
So, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, why do we subvert our voices? I wonder how tightly tied that is to this whole imposter syndrome that women tend to mm-hmm. experience a lot more than, than men do, um, the research shows, um, and us feeling like just by ourselves, um, our own smarts or our own educational background or our own innate wisdom um, and our own authenticity somehow isn't, quote, unquote, enough um, in the work world. I don't think men are having the, asking themselves those same questions. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And, you know, Leslie, there's really just great way to start our conversation. And we are going to go to a break. And when we come back, we will continue with Leslie and talk about women and leadership and all the awesome things that are happening, happening also for women in leadership. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horse is recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Leslie Smith today, and we are talking about women's leadership. Leslie, I'd like to continue our conversation and talk a little bit about some of the unique abilities women bring to their leadership roles. Sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there, there are some studies out there that show that 
women bring some unique abilities and, and then engender really unique results um, because of their leadership. Uh, there was a Morgan Stanley report recently that showed that um, more gender diversity, so more women um, in the workplace and in leadership positions, can translate to increased productivity, greater innovation, better products, better decision-making, higher employee retention and satisfaction. Um, I, I think an accepted thought around um, workplaces and, and healthy workplaces is that more diversity of thought in general leads mm-hmm. to better problem-solving and decision-making. Um, yeah, definitely. So, you know, I, I think those alone are enough to, to tell the world, hey, we need more women in leadership positions because there's nothing wrong with the results that, you know, I just recited around um, what women bring to the table. Absolutely. Expanding those conversations and possibilities. I think Absolutely. that's what we're all looking for organizationally. Um, yeah. Something else, um, and, and I thought this was really interesting, um, it, it's not limited to certainly the, the corporate world. Um, mm-hmm. and this, I think, is translatable over, over any arena. But over the past seven years, so this is a, a quorum study, um, a quorum analysis, over the past seven years, and this is, has to do with the Senate, the U.S. Senate, the average female senator co-sponsored 6.29 bills with another female in the Senate, while the average male senator co-sponsored 4.7 bills with another Senate man, um, and that the average female senator co-sponsored 171, 171 bills with a member of the opposite party, For the average Mm -hmm. male senator, that figure was 129. So just in the Senate alone, we're seeing that women are reaching out to women to co-sponsor bills, and women are reaching across the aisle to co-sponsor bills in higher numbers than their male Senate counterparts. So, I mean, if it's working in the Senate, it has to be able to work in the corporate world. And why aren't we putting women in positions to do that really good, really productive work with other women and um, with people who, who they may not have similar interests with but are willing to work with them? Absolutely. What a, what a solid example. Thank you so much for that. And in speaking of the Senate, um, the, the emerging numbers we are seeing today in new female candidates for off, different offices at different levels, how do you see that playing out and what effects, what impact, if any, will that have on our organizations and women in leadership organizationally? Wow. I mean, I think it's potentially just really groundbreaking and um, powerful for, for government and for the private sector as well. You know, there's so many new organizations, um, She Should Run, Emily's List, that are, you know, providing support to women who are showing interest in um, political office. And so I think just the fact that we have these organizations um, taking off to support women running for office is, is a new thing, right, is, is in and of itself really powerful that there are organizations saying, hey, this is important enough that we want to support women as they seek public office. And I think that, you know, the more and more women who run and then who are elected have the potential to change existing structures, to change our assumptions about women in politics. And then Mm -hmm. I think once those women are in office, are serving um, in our political structures, 
the power that they bring, the different perspectives that they bring to, um, to what they're doing, to the bills that they sponsor, to the laws that they want to see passed. I mean, the, the fact that we had a senator breastfeeding on the Senate floor this year is groundbreaking. And I think that that needs to not be groundbreaking and it needs to be normal. And I think the more women um, who are in office, the more we'll see these once abnormal behaviors or perceived abnormal behaviors become, um, be- become the norm and as it should be. And um, I think that, that only really good groundbreaking things can come of more women in public office. I think it's an, a, a, an incredible moment in our history that we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of women um, showing that they want to take on these positions, that they have ideas that they want to, to share um, and, and be a part of the, the political conversation. It, it truly is an incredible moment. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about, you know, just the whole process of campaigning and, and supporting a candidate. I wonder what that would look like if, you know, women, if we did that in organizations, you know, I think there's so, there's so many layers that we're still trying to cut through individually and collectively that I just, yeah, had this wonderful flash of, wow, what if we were moving for each other that way? in leading our organizations at all levels, as you said. Yeah, and I think that that's part of what, um, you know, these women, call them interest groups or networking groups um, mm-hmm. in, within an organization could do for women. It, you know, it's, yeah. it's not about segmenting women from men or, or making their experience vastly different, but it's about mm-hmm. providing a support that needs to be there because the challenges facing women are different. And so I think Absolutely. just as these, you know, political groups have popped up to support women, I love the idea of internal organizational groups popping up to support women um, as they seek these growth, growth opportunities. Absolutely. And in, and in a forward-moving way. You know, I think we've had to um, choose su- support in a very different way. And now with a different momentum, I think that would be a really beautiful mirroring in that space. Yeah. You one know, of the th- Sorry, go right ahead. You know, you, you're making me think, and I can't help but use this phrase of, you know, in, in the herd of horses, they create mare bands. Mm-hmm. There are mare bands that support each other in developing their skills, and that's a very natural thing to do. It doesn't mean they are segregated from the herd. It means they need a different kind of support to build their strength and confidence as they grow. And, and we should stop apologizing for want wanting to create that kind of community. Yes. You're absolutely right. And, you know, women are really good at creating that kind of community outside of work. I mean, how often are, you know, do we see, you know, women doing girls' nights or, you know, banding together to just celebrate one another and bond? I mean, a few weeks ago I had my annual girls, yeah, we still call ourselves girls, even though we're, you know, 40-plus. But we, our girls' weekend, and these are friendships I've had for almost 20 years um, were dispersed, but we still get together to celebrate each other and celebrate our lives. We're so good about doing that in our personal lives. Why aren't we better about it in the work world? That's a great question. You know, I also think it's about creating conditions for young women to learn that that is necessary for their growth. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to my friends at St. Mary's School because that is a women's school. 
And right now, these women are learning how to support each other very young in their life. In fact, they're in high school. And not only are they learning how to support each other, but they're learning how to do creative thinking, design thinking. They're learning how to contribute problem-solving skills to organizations in their community. And we have to start early in teaching people that these communities are vital and that other women can contribute to your development and be those models so that by the time you make it to organizational life, you're already ready. This is a common practice and it will prepare you to lead. June, you're so spot on and hearing you say that makes me, um, takes me, this is something you probably don't know about me. I went to an all girls school when I was um, from seventh grade until I graduated high school. And I do think that that environment of being in an all-women's um, school where women were the only ones to, to seek leadership positions um, because we were, we were it, right? Um, there was no question about who would step up to be student council president or who would um, step up to run a service organization. It, it, it was all women. Um, and there was a tremendous sense of community um, engendered in me there and sort of this interest in women's leadership and the desire to continue those female conversations. I think you're right that starting at a foundational level at whether it's St. Mary's School or where I went, the Academy of the Sacred Heart, are great, um, great foundational places for women to begin their journey into leadership, though not the only places where women can do that, certainly. Mm-hmm. I think, too, um, when you were talking about you know, the, the schools, I think more actively teaching and speaking to women's results and impacts in leadership um, throughout the generations. You know, I think there are sometimes individualized recognition, but if we keep looking at, at that as a collective and the impact that we make um, and speaking to that more as a, as a primary conversation, as opposed to a secondary conversation would be really powerful as well. Thank you so much, Leslie. Um, We're going to invite you back for any closing comments or thoughts that you might have in the next segment. And thank you everybody for listening today. And we are going to be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horses recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, 
We have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, Back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to uh, check back in with Leslie Box Smith from UNC Executive Development and hear one of her final thoughts that she'd like to leave you with as we answer the question why are we still talking about women's leadership? Um, thanks, June. Well, I mean, we're still talking about women's leadership because there aren't enough women in leadership. Um, and one thing I want to um, share is, you know, for women who are looking to um, hone the skill set to help them um, attain those positions of leadership, we're off in a really unique program right now. Um, it's called Women at Work. Um, we've got uh, program dates in October, October 1st through 4th. And um, I encourage any woman um, who is thinking that she'd like to, you know, move through the leadership ladder and, and attain higher positions in leadership to, to check out this program. Um, we're tackling some of the, the salient issues that women face in the workplace. Um, we're going to have a conversation about unconscious bias and really take a spin on that and um, be proactive in how we talk about unconscious bias instead of just dwelling on the fact that bias exists. We're really looking at what can you do? How can you position yourself? How can you respectfully challenge bias in the workplace? We're going to be spending some time focusing on um, social capital and how important that is as anybody navigates the workplace, but especially how women can use it to their advantage and build networks. Um, we'll be spending the day with y'all at Teaching Horse um, and then looking at um, what do women need to be resilient um, at work. And so I encourage any w- woman to um, check out our program and, and think about it as, as they plot their development um, over the next uh, few months and years. And, and lastly, you know, why are we still talking about leadership? We're talking about it, as I said, because there aren't enough women in leadership positions. And my sincere hope is that when my now four-year-old daughter, Lucy, um, so she's got some time yet, but when my four-year-old daughter, Lucy, um, graduates from college, that there's no question in her mind that she can pursue whatever she wants to pursue at that time. Um, that any career opportunity is, is open to her, not because she's a woman or a man, but because she's a human. 
and because she's qualified to do it, and that there's no doubt in her mind that if she wants a leadership position, it's hers for the taking, um, given that she puts in the, the energy and the effort. Um, because I want my, my strong, sweet, sassy Lucy to have every opportunity available to her as a woman um, in the future. Well said, Leslie, well said. So now I'm going to invite my co-host as you reflect on the conversation we've had so far. What are some of the takeaways that that you're leaving this conversation with? I like I like what you said earlier, June, about not apologizing for creating those spaces, you know, and for taking up space, <laughs> really, um, and leveraging that. And what Leslie's talking about in terms of social capital, I think being really intentional about that and owning it without apology. I just, that just really stood out for me. Sorry, I interrupted you, Morgan. No, no, that's, I always love to hear what you're thinking, Christine. I, I have really been thinking about diversity and how women are such a diverse group. There are so many different kinds of women, women with so many different kinds of strength. And while I do think there's such power in, in our unity as, as women standing together supporting women, I also hope we never lose sight of, of the diversity within our group and how many unique strengths there are that so many different women can bring to the table. And thinking about how can we how can we collaborate, how can we support each other and still recognize and respect our differences and the different experiences we each face. Our common experiences and our different experiences. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, Morgan, you and I, uh, great minds sleek alike. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, as I was looking at the list of 24 people, there were only three people of color on that list. And so we, whomever's in leadership, women, we have to start thinking, looking bigger, inviting and hearing different voices. And I'm very encouraged that three new diverse voices will be joining that Fortune 500. Um, for the first time ever, there will be a CEO that's openly gay, right? And there are two, there's the first time ever a CEO that's an African-American woman that's um, part of a real estate investment trust. And uh, a new uh, African-American woman slated to take the CFO position at Starbucks. So there's a lot of great movement happening. And I want to encourage and be a part of how can we widen that conversation of inclusivity for all women who want to be leaders and be open to other voices and so they can bring their full selves as leaders. Mm. I'm very excited about that. And, and I want to take this conversation all the way back to where we started with Leslie describing what she learned from Yanni and from Hope. You know, Yanni taught her that she has to have a vision and focus on it. And Hope taught her that she needs to be aware of the energy she's bringing and the impact that it has on others and be ready to adjust it. And, and then they all taught her about presence, about choosing your presence and being willing to 
to bring your full presence to whatever you're leading. And I think that if we can continue to prepare women with those skills, we will not have this problem when Lucy runs for president. <laughs> you mean when Lucy becomes president? Yes. Right on. Lucy for president. <laughs> Lucy for president. <laughs> Lucy for president. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah. It's, it just makes me think about the whole Senator Duckworth and the breastfeeding. It shouldn't be unusual. Women in leadership should be the norm. It should just be. Yeah, we talked at the beginning of the show about how much diversity there is in nature. And June pointed out that one thing nature does is evaluate diversity endlessly, always. Finding finding the value in that diversity and, and women being the norm, both genders being the norm, sure. any gender being the norm. Yeah. Valuing all those different types of people in those positions and and whatever you're bringing to the stage, recognizing that that's, that's valuable. Well, you know, Leslie was talking about resiliency and so much of the information I, I read about how women take on that assimilation and how much energy it takes to uh, go on these outings and participate in the way that they think is the way it should be. And that, that takes energy for them. They're, they're, that depletes a resource for them as a leader, as someone doing their job, that their male counterpoints more than likely don't have to do. And so when I'm thinking about women in leadership and resiliency, I was like, okay, where, where are you spending your energy? And how might, how might you be able to shift that? Right, because it has to be sustainable. Right. Right. Well, this has been an excellent show, and I know we, as women, are going to have a lot to reflect on and continue to think about as we're processing this and keep keep this conversation going. Thank you so much for listening, and please know that we would love to hear your comments, your insights, bring that diversity to our conversation. You can always tweet us at We Lead Radio or email us at leadershipconfidence at teachinghorse.com. Thanks again, Leslie, and we will see you next week. Same time, same channel. Thank you for listening to We Lead Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll see you on this same path next week.